This is Sustainable-ish with me, Jen Gale, and it is great to have you here. Listen in each week and I hope I can brighten up your day and leave you feeling inspired and excited about the magnificent human being that you are and the power that you have to create a better world. You won't find any expectations of eco-warrior perfection here. There's no obligatory tree hugging. You won't be judged if you drive a car, wear leather shoes, or eat the odd pack of Haribo every now and then. I'll be sharing my own gems of wisdom for sustainable-ish living, and I also relentlessly scour the internet for people doing amazing things to tackle the big environmental issues that we're facing, and I hound them until they agree to come on and inspire us all with their fabulousness and the positive change that they're making. So sit back, listen in, and get ready to change the world one baby step at a time. Hello, hello. Welcome to the Sustainable-ish podcast. It's been a little while again, hasn't it? I feel like I start every episode at the moment with an apology about what will maybe politely between us call a certain lack of consistency when it comes to this here podcast. But what can I say? COVID, pandemic, homeschooling, all of the above. I'm sure I'm not alone in finding it hard to fit everything in. Up until this point, I have done all of the podcasts and everything else sustainable-ish on my little old lonesome, but I've finally conceded that it might be worth getting a little bit of help, especially with the bits that aren't quite, shall we say, my zone of genius. And editing podcasts is very definitely not in my zone of genius, but fortunately I've found the brilliant Emily for whom it very much is. So this means that I can just crack on and do the fun stuff, nattering away to people whilst drinking tea. And Emily can do all the boring techie bits, freeing up some of my time and hopefully getting podcasts out more consistently. It does, however, also mean I'm on the lookout for a podcast sponsor. So if you know anyone with an awesome ethical brand who might want to get in front of some more eyes and ears, then please do point them my way. Right then, today we are talking all things rubbish, (laughs) one of my favourite topics. Whoever thought that would be the case? And I was more than a little excited recently and a bit starstruck, it has to be said, to speak to the alter ego behind Dennis the Dustcart, one of my favourite Facebook pages. As you'll hear, Dennis is actually part of Exeter City Council's recycling team, but the page is so far removed from what you might expect from a council recycling page. It's none of that sort of dull corporate stuff. It's packed full of humorous and informative posts, and it's a great place to learn more about all things rubbish and recycling. So grab a cuppa, listen in, and enjoy. Welcome to the Sustainable-ish podcast. I don't know whether to say hello, Merrick, or hello, Dennis. <laughs> uh, you can say both, really. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> I'm not known as both. This is the first time anyone's ever really known. Well, I suppose there are a few people who know that Dennis is me, but it's not like I'm some superhero, you know. Oh, it does feel a bit like it. It feels you're the sort of alter ego. You're the like Clark Kent to Superman. Yeah, it's right? like Clark Kent kind of revealing himself as. Yeah, Superman, just take your glasses right? off, and then yeah. suddenly you'll be yeah. Dennis the Dustcart. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I, 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 my colleagues were teasing me, saying I should do this in a like an emoji mask. You should do. You should do. 
But it's, I mean, to be honest, Dennis is a bit of a, it's a team effort as such. I mean, I, I, I do the, the writing and I do the content, but um, my recycling team colleagues are all very much involved. And they, um, to be honest, they're the real industry experts, um, you know. Um, you're the face, you're the front. Well, I'm the, the person who puts it into words. Uh, yeah. I, it's funny because I consider my job as Dennis, I'm, I'm a recycling officer, you see. So I was gonna, yes, let's let's do a like a proper introduction. Who yeah. are you and what do you do? Yeah, so well, I'm I'm a recycling officer for Exeter City Council. My my main focus is on communications arm of the of the recycling team. Yeah. I'm not a comms officer, but my background is in creative writing. I've got two degrees in it. Oh wow! Um, <laughs> so I my my kind of waste knowledge my uh, and recycling. I don't know. Recycling is kind of like a very an interesting term I'm not mm. entirely sure I, I prefer kind of talking about the job from a waste and environment yes. point of view which is where we're heading with our you know all of our comms really mm. um I consider my job to be a kind of uh like a a, a conduit almost I, I think I think I as I say my, my colleagues are generally ha- have a more more in-depth industry knowledge um they've been in it longer mm. that way um, and, uh, you know, in terms of industry, logistics, strategies, um, collection methods, yeah. the history of, of the services, all these sorts of things, implementing new services, these guys have done it all and they're, they're, they're brilliant at it. Um, I kind of almost um, evolved into the role because there was um, through, through various maternity leaves that I was covering and then <laughs> Uh, I kind of um, became, uh, so I'm very grateful for all those children. Um, <laughs> but then uh, it just, fate really uh, brought me into the team. Um, my uh, knowledge about the waste and, and, and uh, industry and, and uh, the environment, et cetera, I think it comes more from a kind of a natural curiosity um, mm. and a, probably a distrust of anything that's touted as like a green solution. Yes. You know, yeah. so... I mean, how did somebody with two degrees in creative writing end up as a recycling officer? There was all sorts of reasons why. I did a, my, my initial degree was back in, uh, I graduated in 2002. And then I did a master's degree at Exeter in 2008. And we'd been, uh, my wife and I had been living in Exeter for three years or so. Um, and I just, you know, I was getting kind of like, what am I doing with my life? Mm. So I went and did it thinking I'll be a poet. And because uh, <laughs> that was what I kind of, what I really loved. My first love was, was writing poetry. Then I, I kind of came out of that and I was going to do a, a PhD in poetics or something, which I don't who Who now. even knew there was a PhD in poetics? Uh, <laughs> well, there are PhDs in anything. Everything, yeah. Yeah. <laughs> can be a doctor of anything yeah uh, but no I, I decided uh, I would do that but then uh, we found out that uh, uh, my wife was pregnant with my little boy so that kind of put, had kind to of earn some that. money Brilliant. basically <laughs> yeah yeah <laughs> uh, so I, I well I, I had been working part-time during my degree with the council and they were really supportive of me um, mm-hmm. work you know how they were so flexible around it and I, I, I wanted to stay with the council because they're a great employer. And, um, and I worked in the, just, just in the in, environment support team kind of, um, I say just, they do an amazing job, basically on a bit on the phones, helping people with stuff, you know. Mm. And I just, and I was going through it a bit because I realised I, I think when you, you have a little a kid, your first kid, you're always kind of going through things. I say yes. first, I've only got one. I, I had a bit of a kind of um, very tough time. And then I, 
moved into the recycling team almost by accident well just to cover to come up cover maternity mm. leave and then there was um i moved i gradually moved in and became a um a recycling officer then i started you know and i was still thinking how do i utilize my 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 writing skills mm. in this but i was really enjoying the work as well because i suddenly got interested in in waste you know and yeah. how, how it's not just about black and green bins yes. you know it, yeah the strategy and everything around it um it was about 2016 uh, we kind of were looking at our comms and going well the, the green team we had a school's green team which was like a kind of awards for schools who do green activities mm-hmm. so you know it was mainly um allotment gardening and mm. um you know um all sorts of wonderful things that they were doing and we had an award ceremony mm-hmm. at the end of um uh, the end of the school year uh, each time each year and uh, there was the, in the end there was a lack of sponsorship lack of funding and right. it kind of ran its course and so we thought how do we carry on using um, you know carry on our, our kind of efforts and mm. similar efforts but maybe you know take a different tack because now the world is is changed it's very um, digital you know it's, mm. it's, there was, we, we needed also because of budget constrictions uh, and things we had restrictions and we had to be kind of conscious uh, that this comms almost had to be free you know mm. or not free but because it, it when you're using officer time it's not free you know yeah um so we said so we came came up with i i kind of wanted to get on social media with it um and um my colleagues were totally in agreement and we um approached the comms team and we were kind of thinking about how we can do it and how can we do it in a a way that isn't too corporate yes you know council (laughs) to council really because the council the council comms team is is phenomenal and um how they manage to deal with everything they do yes it's it is brilliant but they the way they they have to have their fingers in so many pies Mm. you know all the time they're kind of looking around them what's shareable over here how's this yeah. team faring you know what support do they need sure. um and, and you know and they, they are they're comms experts they're not recycling experts mm-hmm. they're not all you know environmentalists or, or so we approached them and they um we mutually kind of came up with the idea that we would use dennis which was a vehicle we actually had oh, cool. uh, yeah it was dennis was an actual it was so it's sad oh. to say uh was an actual vehicle that was like an old I'm not sure exactly what he was he was like an old one of those old dust carts where you lift up the sides and stuff stuff in uh, you know okay. he was uh he had a plastic face um which had been designed and then uh, remade later on mm. but uh, uh, when I knew him he was uh, it was a green dust cart with this plastic molded face um and they you know it was made in the 90s originally so everything was everything was a boy and everything was illiter- alliterated you know so you had um alliterative so you had um dennis the dust cart and yeah we we, but we thought well he, he already had a bit of a presence through the green teams right and he because he had like a column that was in the in the express and echo the local uh, okay brilliant but he had a very kind of it was to, for children and yeah. he had a very kind of um voice that was geared in that way mm. it was kind of light and um frivolous and and slightly kind of um childlike yeah um, and my initial thought was to kind of subvert that slightly um but uh, <laughs> have him being a bit cheeky but yeah. actually, you know as if i've been let off the hook and now i'm gonna be you know yes yeah but, 
so so the initial kind of stages of, of Dennis. So I would Photoshop Dennis, the actual Dennis, into yeah. various ridiculous situations, vaguely linked to recycling. But it was a way of kind of engaging people. You come yeah. for the recycling and stay for the funny or the other way around. Yeah, or not, yeah. You know? And I think really what we wanted was um, something what we all agreed on was that recycling communications can be a little dry. <laughs> Ah, uh, yeah, you know. <laughs> this uh, is what, one of the things I was going to say is like with the, you know, with the greatest respect to council comms teams and things like it is, it's, it's, it's very, very dry. It's very not corporate, but it's very, you know, like sort of towing the line. It's just like, well, this is what you put in your black bin. This is what you put in your green bin. Yeah. There's no engagement. There's no kind of, I guess, mm. nuance. There's no there's no fun to it is there and and I think that's what yeah. Dennis brings to it and I don't think you would look at that Facebook page and think this is a council Facebook page no um which... I think that's 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 it you know that's what we we aimed for because it gives you that when you name it Dennis yes everyone knows it's associated with Exeter City Council because there is a very close link um in our comms arms and also mm. we do I do a, the a kind of a Dennis blog for the news page that oh, they do, okay. you know, yeah. so it's very linked, but it gives you that distance so that you have a bit more free reign, mm. not complete free reign, obviously. Um, but it's um, even though the recycling, the comms arms of the recycling governing body, um, you know, they, they have quite, they, they try to, to bring a bit of gentle humor mm-hmm. um, often or a little lightheartedness, um, a bit like the innocent uh, drinks campaign. Mm kind of stuff you know it's all rather sometimes rather frivolous but the problem is when you work for an organization that is an official body yeah you can't and you fall short of that you fall short of the slightly absurd this kind of quality and you end up in dad joke territory yeah sort of ricky gervais in the yeah 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 but in a car exactly like that but the the, what made ricky gervais funny was that it was completely owned and he knew that you know that the humor was in the fact that you knew Yes. that it wasn't funny you know yeah. but it because these people thought it was funny but it wasn't and that was what was funny yeah and and that's the thing with with Dennis is you can tell an appalling joke but as long as you own it yeah as long as you're kind of you're aware you're, your audience is aware that really it's it's that's the whole kind of yeah. narrative of it it's not it's he thinks it's funny it's not funny but that's what's funny yes then that's okay and that's kind of gentle humor that's that there's nothing really controversial about that um so yeah it it was just trying to engage people and uh we were we worked all really well together on it and i mean i i took it on pretty much solo in terms of the content and producing um Mm. all of the stuff but it was um you know it's all done very much with everyone's feedback everyone's input so i've got some very good colleagues on that front and um we just work really well and it's really nice to see how Dennis has evolved. Yeah. Interesting what you're saying about the sort of, you know, the, the council and, and their messaging and their comms and things. I'm in Wiltshire and I don't know if it's still the case because of, um, you know, budgets and that kind of thing, but for a long time, their um, sort of waste and recycling branch was sort of outsourced to Wiltshire Wildlife Trust because the feeling was that, you know, if you have the council telling you don't do this, don't do that, there's quite a lot of resistance and pushback to messages coming from the council, like you can't tell me what to do. Whereas if it's coming from a charitable trust that has, you know, sort of wildlife as its background and things that the perception was it would be much better received. Do you find a similar thing with Dennis? Mm -hmm. Like it's... I think that was part of the plan. Yeah, you're absolutely nail on the head. I I think um, we understood quite quickly that Dennis 
needed to be distanced to mm. an extent while remaining while retaining those ties because that also gave you um or well, ties is the wrong way but those, those links mm. because it gave you the the reach and the um the readership and the engagement it was the idea that it, it would show the council up well mm. as well like yeah, you know yeah, yeah. look at what this council is doing you know we oh, want does, to totally. kind of, yeah we, yeah we wanted to kind of lead on that um so i was really um yeah, it, it was exactly what you just said. You know, we needed that, that that element of distance, but we also wanted it to be recognised kind of in the background as a council site. Yeah, uh, council but page. I think you could come and, you know, I like I, I follow the page just because I enjoy it. And, you know, obviously mm. I'm a bit of a waste geek as well, but mm. I, I don't think I'm following the Wiltshire Council. I don't think they even have a recycling page, but um, it totally does, as you say, sort of um, it, it makes the council appear quite sort of progressive and forward thinking. And, you know, the fact that they're kind of engaging oh, around. Things in <laughs> yeah. yeah. Tick. Well done. You get a pay rise. <laughs> <laughs> Not in today's environment. Also. No, no. Um, <laughs> so thinking about recycling and rubbish as mm. with your kind of Exeter council recycling officer hat on, what are the biggest issues that the council encounters when it comes to recycling and rubbish? Well, uh, in practical terms or in operational terms, it's probably, contamination mm. um, so at the moment in exeter we we don't take uh food or glass from home because our vehicles are compacting vehicles they collect recycling one week and then rubbish the next week yeah. and glass would get crushed um right and food would contaminate the recycling um and it means laying on new vehicles it means you know a completely different system so that is actually what is happening we're we're um, in the kind of advanced stages of planning a major new service um, yeah. in Exeter that will uh, see the introduction of, of food and glass from from homes. Um, currently, well, yeah, any glass that goes into the bin at the moment would be likely to smash, um, and that would then contaminate the paper with shards of glass, right, and it would yeah. also obviously pose a risk to our staff. The other thing we get is um, things like we do get a lot of needles come through mm-hmm. and that uh, yeah and then the in whole the, line... in the recycling or in the landfill yeah. no, in the recycling. recycling yeah i mean the landfill stuff just goes straight to the energy from waste plant um in exeter but the to be burned but so it's not landfill yeah the recycling you you know you lose days in a year mm. I mean, you know over the course of a year to, to having to stop the line get someone to pick off the thing with tweezers you know wow. check everything start it again we also get dog mess, you know. Oh, it's, it's, it's awful what people, yeah, yeah, it's awful what people put in there. The other thing is at Christmas, it's explaining to people that wrapping paper isn't really recyclable. It's yeah. so poor, you know. It's such poor quality. The fibres are so short that it just turns to mush. It doesn't right. turn to pulp. You can get good quality wrapping papers. The recyclable stuff, the, the brown paper yeah. particularly, is very good. And you can... You can print that as much as you like with ink and everything so you can you can stamp that can you like if you let the kids loose with sort of poster paint is that okay that's fine yeah as long as it's not completely completely coated because it's water-based that's Mm. fine okay but glitter is a problem you know because it's it's a, a contaminant and and the problem is that if we have wrapping paper coming through our our plant then if it gets into the bales then the you know, the bales of paper that go yeah. off to the paper mill, the paper mill will say either no thank you or they'll give you a massively reduced price for right. it. And 
that's a big problem because we recycling is a, a, a key kind of income um, because it, so it does recycling make councils money. Yeah, it does. And it also depending on how the council is operated. So we do everything in house mm -hmm. and we treat it very much like a business. Um, we've got a brilliant MRF manager who acts as a broker for a lot of Devon plastics, for instance, okay. and, you know, so we are kind of, um, a part of a solution for Devon's plastics yeah. uh, because we're able to sort it so well. And we, when we sell it on, um, the better quality it is, the more you, you yeah. get for it. Um, the markets fluctuate like crazy, especially for things like cardboard at the moment. Um, okay. It's right you know, down, but uh, say milk bottle plastic HDPE is right up and oh, wow. uh, aluminium cans. It's worth in a region of 1.2 million a year. which And, and that's on top of what it, costs you or no that that helps to fund the actual service itself um which doesn't cost that much um and it also then goes towards other key council services oh, okay. so it's um you know it's a significant portion of a, any yeah budget really uh, but a lot of places they have third parties uh, who collect um mm. you know, and sort it we're one of the only councils in the country that has an mrf um and we operate all our own vehicles. And the only thing, obviously, we're not uh, involved in because it's uh, with a collection authority in Devon County Council is the um, disposal authority. So they are responsible for when the rubbish gets to the energy from waste plant or it used to be landfill. Mm -hmm. That's where their responsibility is. But our duty of care covers the recycling and the collections uh, of of rubbish and recycling so your bins that come round are exeter council bins because ours our council outsourced to i don't know if it's biffa or hills or whatever so is that what you mean so that that so yeah. that kind of hills will run all of that and and the council just sort of pay them to run all of that and yeah that's right yeah so okay. um you have lots of um waste companies yeah like biffa etc and sewers but we operate and, and they will take on um that for for councils um Whereas we, um, and, and obviously they all have different kind of uh, arrangements in terms of finances mm. and who gets what from which part of the deal, you know, whereas yeah. we, we keep everything in house. So it enables us to do things as we do and having this building where we sort everything ourselves yeah. enables us to actually uh, get the, the, the really good quality stuff mm. and sell it on. We don't sell on, you know, we, it means we can avoid all the kind of crummy yeah. plastic stuff, you know, yeah, all, yeah, yeah. we yeah. can separate it into all the streams. And I guess it allows you to have a greater level of transparency. You can be very, very sure over what's happening to the rubbish mm. that you're collecting. Whereas I guess if, if I, I don't know, I haven't tried, but if I ask my council what happens, they can only rely on the information that's given to them by the people they well they have a it. they have a duty of care i mean the council whoever collects it or is has, the, the the local authority is the local authority so they ultimately their duty of care is to ensure that your recycling is collected um in accordance with legislation and mm -hmm. rules and you know that is not going to be shipped off to a, a landfill site in china or um, so how have we ended up with that situation then where you know, I think there was the documentary that Hugh Fernie Whittingstall did, you know, and he's like pulling out plastic bags yeah. from M&S and H&M and, you know, um, that clearly have come from Britain. And so how yeah. have we ended up in that? Where, like seemingly to me, someone in a council somewhere has ticked a box and gone, they've told me that's being recycled. That's fine. And hasn't kind of looked further than that. Well, 
As I say, the duty of care, our duty of care would dictate that we know exactly where everything is going. Um, right. but what, what we do as a, we're very, very particular about that. We have feel like it's a moral obligation mm. to, to ensure. I mean, the other thing is if we sell, say we, we sell, sort our plastic very well so then it gets it attracts bidders and we actually attract bidders to our stuff so they're not going to then pay a premium for it and then mislead you you mm. know and, and just dump it somewhere because that's not a good business model to pay extra for something you're going to dump yeah. anyway but obviously our we don't rely on that we follow it through um so when people say oh don't send anything abroad you know you, sh- you shouldn't be sending anything abroad that's not specifically you know that's not really right to say that because we we have sent our clear plastic bottles to germany right um, because that was where we could guarantee they be turned into yeah clear plastic bottles again yeah whereas there's no uk solution for that there is oh, no, okay. there's yeah. nothing in the uk that allows you to do that if there was then we would obviously there would be lots of things to balance including whether if there was a, a drop in income mm-hmm. you know how much that was compared to the actual value of keeping yeah. things in the uk not in monetary terms but in you know morally and mm-hmm. um you know all that kind of thing so our mrf manager actually is, is probably better to to the person to talk about that um than i am he because he's he's so heavily involved in it but mm. there are also all sorts of when it comes to things like uh the waste in recently like that's been found in roadsides in turkey mm. the problem is you get brokers who say i'll pay you such and such for for it and they go oh really i can only get you know this amount here for, for mm. within the uk or blah, blah. oh no we'll pay you this you know and then you so they if unless they look unless that or you know they the people selling the recycling mm-hmm. look closer yeah at that the reason why you get those brokers perhaps saying that you know that they'll pay more is because there are all sorts of uh, government subsidies so when it uh, passes I was going to say what's the benefit to them to pay more to yeah to- so yeah. I mean if it goes through several different borders right. they might you know it, they might benefit from several different you know wow. it's, it's all sorts of things involved in it so it, it yeah it, it's um it's a complex situation so we can ask our councils presumably what happens to our yeah. plastic they should, recycling and they should be able to tell you and yeah. but there's no kind of like in the UK is good abroad is bad um because as you said it can go to germany which you know in the great context of things isn't a massive distance to travel you know if we were in australia we would we'd still say it's within australia um and and it's turning plastic bottles into plastic bottles which is really really important thing to be doing closing the loop isn't it it's not um and that's what we're mainly always interested in is how close we can get something Mm. to product to to in our plants so if we sort plastic we want to only ship off bales of a of a polymer type type yeah. of polymer plastic obviously the, the the problems come in when you have so much cheap kind of mm. scrap scrap stuff coming in and and the what they call jazz which is all the color you know and, right. uh, a lot of places will say absolutely no black plastic um, yeah. it depends how it's sorted if it's sorted by infrared no black at all mm. if it's sorted by float and sink methods then they can do it but you know those there's a very limited option for getting black plastic people say oh you know this is a an issue with recycling yeah industry and things it's it's the wrong way around to look at i mean you know the council we you know you get complaints and people mm. say oh you're always thinking about the money you're always thinking about this you should be thinking about the environment and it's like well we are but you can't blame 
collection authorities for the problems of the packaging industry mm, you have yes. to you know you have yeah. to look at what what why this plastic is so rubbish you know yeah. and, and you have to look at why people are buying so much of it and who's pushing that on us um, I don't have you seen it we just sque- did a screening of the story of plastic um yeah. and that's really interesting because it yeah. really does I guess sort of uh, shine a light on the fact that exactly what you said all like hold on a minute who is producing all of this plastic who is telling us we need all this plastic who is just churning all this plastic out and then saying it's the consumer who's littering it's not our fault it's it's really mind-boggling when you it is it is and when you look at then that's why i talked about a distrust it's not even a mistrust it's a distrust of people who claim to have a solution to it Mm. so like they say bioplastic i've written a long article about bioplastic i saw that i linked to it yeah (laughs) and um you know you think this is just being invented or being put in place so that we can continue consuming yes you know so when you think about the land usage um, involved in growing these crops, I mean, it's a, it's not a green solution because mm-hmm. the first thing people think about is, does it break down in the sea? Yeah. Oh, it, you know, it breaks down in the environment. It doesn't. <laughs> yeah. You know, it, it's been proved not to. Its carbon footprint in production is significant. Yeah. It takes up a lot of land to grow. The, the plantations and monocultures yeah. are often GM crops. I mean, think what you like about GM crops. There are benefits. There are worries and concerns mm. about them. Uh, they're, 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 these crops are usually feedstocks for agriculture because it's the, the starch from corn yeah. that's used for the bags. Uh, and animal agriculture itself obviously is probably the major influencer of climate change um mm. and it can't be recycled bioplastic um right it, it's hated by food waste plants because it can't be composted yeah. industrially or in the anaerobic digestion they, they need to take it out they need yeah. to take all plastic all containers out before they process the food yeah people put their stuff in corn starch bags because they're told that is a food waste bag because yeah. that, they're influenced to feel like that. And little do they know they are all taken out. And, yeah. you know, so you've got something that has a, a significantly higher carbon footprint than a cheap plastic bag. Right. That may be used from renewable sources, but you are made from renewable sources, but these things are massively at the expense of um, biodiversity, and natural yeah. habitats, etc. And when they do take it out, they're so stretchy. Yeah. That they can't, take them out effectively so yeah. it uses more or more energy all these yeah. uh, the water usage and the chemical usage and all these things is phenomenal you know when we talk about disposable coffee cups and we look yeah. at you know they have this maybe like a, a liner made out yeah. of bioplastic these these things aren't designed to be soluble if they were yes. they would just <laughs> dissolve <lands>. yeah <laughs> so you know they then to, to make them practical for bags for whatever for coffee cups they can't be soluble. They have yeah. to be made sturdy enough. To make them sturdy enough, they, they won't break down and they won't, unless they get very hot, which they yeah. don't in industrial composting. Yeah. In order to, to get, kind of get rid of them, they, they, you have to throw them away. There is no yeah. other option, really. You can't compost them at home. You know, yeah. you try and you'll end up 18 months later with a pile of bags, you know. And what's the point in putting so much energy into creating something that's, so dis- that's disposable? It's not meant yeah. to last, yeah. you know? I think the message is there's no point replacing one single-use thing no. with another single-use thing. Exactly. And when we get things like water bottles, coffee cups, that there are really easy, reusable 
solutions for. It's quite easy once we get into the habit of it, of taking our reusables. Mm-hmm. But for things like food packaging, like crisp packets, like snack bars, like in the ideal scenario, nobody's eating crisps and nobody's eating snack bars. Yeah. And But how, how what realistic. is the solution for that in terms of like single use mm. packaging around food, I, I guess? That's I don't really, isn't it? I don't know really if there is one um, because everything has pros and cons to it. Yeah. Um, you so know, is you this when it. we start to then look for like these closed loop solutions so that crisp packets can go back and can be recycled ideally and so designed that they can be recycled back into crisp packets? Yeah. I don't know if yeah. it exists. Yeah, no, I don't think it does because uh, they're, they're of uh, laminated foil, aren't they? I mean, the foil is kind of sprayed on, but it's, um, yeah, they, they're incredibly complex um but interestingly i was talking to somebody the other day and they were saying that so much of our packaging has been designed not to be recyclable so that it creates it generates its own demand for so actually almost to go back to the drawing board and and redesign crisp packets and snack bar packets and things so that they Mm. are more i don't know if that's possible you know but ideally that's what we're looking at ideally yeah Ideally, we're looking at all sorts of ways. I mean, supermarkets, uh, say, for their bags, their disposable mm. plastic bags, uh, they have routes into industry where they can get them recycled back into bags. So mm. it's closed loop. And we're looking at that for, for the council um, as well. It's one of the avenues we're pursuing quite um, keenly. Uh, but we're always looking for closed loop scenarios. So, mm. for instance, with that plastic bottle. But it's easier to make a plastic bottle in Germany or whatever, back into a plastic bottle than it is to make a crisp packet into a crisp packet. Yes, yeah. The whole point, yeah. yeah. And it's the, it's the hygiene element. You've got the food, you've yeah, got so many yeah. different bodies in, involved in this, you know, yeah. you've got food standards. So the fact that these crisps are able to be kept fresh for so long, yeah, because they're yeah. sealed and for, you know, so they're creating, there was a program the other day on, on a crisp factory where they were churning out millions of bags a day and you think millions of bags yeah yeah because when i was young i remember crisps were in a clear plastic bag you know and my parents were saying they're all in paper bags you know and things right but then there's all sorts of things people do start to look for false solutions so they look at paper and a it doesn't keep things fresh but also it's got a massive carbon footprint Mm, you mm. know it's got a massive impact ecological impact um so paper is no kind of solution Um, it's difficult isn't it because there's the things that we would expect like you can't just say like plastic bad paper good can you um guy from riverford had a big rant about um might have Mm. even been a couple of years ago about you know that, that there is some plastic in their boxes and that's because it's the lowest carbon footprint packaging yeah, i read that and no find. one complains about their paper even though it's got a significantly yeah. high impact yes i know it's because when you think about paper you think about the the, the, the old forests that are, mm. are, 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 are strips the land is stripped of these forests um and because they've got nice long fibers um and they're really good for making paper but then they're replaced with monoculture or you know or you, you think about that and then you think of the the forest that they replace them with which they still make paper from but and they think it, they say it's a renewable source mm, that, mm. That and the other. they're growing these forests of fern trees and um you know uh, pine pine forests uh, mm. like say around dartmoor and things which are kind of almost ecologically dead zone yes there's not, no there's biodiversity there's, exactly there's no bird song you walk into them it, it's not they're not natural kind of british habitats as such yes. because they're, they're not these trees aren't 
some of them are very good carbon sinks like mm. redwood trees are um but you know if if they're no there's no thought for the natural yeah for other species other than you know what we need for our paper yeah you know? yeah yeah so you know when you think about the amount of paper the amount of water and energy used in paper production i mean just chopping down trees itself and mashing them is a hell of a job but yeah yeah you know and then plastic is mainly a byproduct of um natural gas extraction so you know as long as you have natural gas extraction you have plastic something like 10 percent of all oil extracted is used in plastic but it's wow. yeah, i mean it's still you know if, if you think about recycling recycling isn't a solution really but no and a, a big you know a, a fundamental solution is part of a solution but it's um you think about a recycled plastic bag there, there's still a lot of energy going into that because you've got the melting the extrusion yeah you know all these things but you're coming out with something that was a plastic bag and that is now a plastic bag whereas with paper it does it can only be recycled a few times before right. becomes, before the papers become so uh, the fibers become so short that you can't do anything with it so paper isn't endlessly recyclable and plastic's also lighter in transportation yeah and, you know um so you're using less fuel there there's all sorts of reasons that why plastic isn't the evil it is yeah. but it's got the fact that it's got into everything yes like we use it for everything and you talk about crisp packets they're a combination of plastic and foil yeah and they're a nightmare you know mm. so when we talk about having to uh invent new systems yeah we do have to invent yeah. new new systems new closed loop technologies that's not up to local authorities obviously but we we where it's all it's up to everyone and it's not up to consumers it's up it's what is up to consumers is uh, their decisions at the point of purchase and their kind of they need to keep we need to keep kind of educating ourselves and and, and lobbying for change yeah i was just about to say i think uh, you know one of the things that we underestimate is a the, the power of our choices at the that point of purchase but also yeah. the power that we have as consumers to go to walkers to get you know do you remember that thing when everybody was sending their crisp packets back all of a sudden a terracycle scheme materialized for crisp packets and mm-hmm. you know terracycle isn't perfect because it's mm. it's down cycling these things so it's taking crisp packets and making them into benches or but it um do you know so it shows that that companies do respond to public pressure so i think we need to to really kind of step into that power and you mentioned that um in exeter you have energy from waste people yeah. will remember that in the good old days as kind of incineration and probably councils don't like it being called that anymore do they because mm. uh, explain what energy from waste is Energy from waste is the process of converting your rubbish into electricity. So basically, you take it there, it gets burned at high temperature. The emissions are monitored and regulated very strictly by the uh, Environment Agency. So there's no real worries there. What then happens is it generates steam and then that steam generates, uh, powers the turbine, generates electricity. And that gets fed into the grid. What it also does is um generate a lot of ash um mm-hmm. which is then used for secondary hardcore and things like um for road laying but also yeah. for uh lightweight bridge blocks and things like that okay. that and all think, sounds yeah. lovely and it sounds yeah. like an ideal solution for our rubbish but what are some of the issues around <laughs> energy from well it means making new stuff from scratch you know it's like you burn a plastic bottle you've got to make new plastic yes. bottle, yeah which it's means ultimately yeah. yeah exactly so you've got less stuff to be recycled and you have to make stuff out of virgin plastic mm-hmm. which is oil extraction etc yeah. 
So the more stuff you burn, the less stuff you have to recycle. It's just part of that kind of disposable. The yeah. problem with the, the the problem with advertising it strongly. The reason we we don't is because of that. Because we don't want people to just chuck everything in the black sure. bin. Because yeah, yeah, yeah. It's w- without actually looking a little bit into it, you might think, oh, that's great, you know. And it, mm. and it, it is much better. I mean, it deserves more credit than it gets, but it it is a, a you know, Germany does a lot of it. It's, you know, all these countries that have much higher recycling rates mm. um, do, uh, they, they still, they burn their rubbish, you know. But um, the other problem with it is that like most things in the UK, we don't have a standard system and all these energy from waste plants have been built in, existing industrial areas right so they're not these industrial estates and things aren't built around uh, uh, an energy from waste plant which can then be updated as such right. it's these energy from waste plants are dropped in the middle of free existing places so the infrastructure say the 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 water pipes that could because it generates hot water so you could feed the area with hot water but sure. it's much harder to do that when you've yeah. already got buildings built on those yeah. areas you know trying to retrofit everything um there's there's the, there's so basically yeah it's, it's better than landfill a lot and okay. we don't nowhere in devon sends and sends black bin rubbish to the landfill um so what are the problems what, with landfill well i mean it's obviously similar in that you're chucking stuff away that mm-hmm. could be recycled but obviously it, it rotting in a pit in the ground is worse because it's giving off methane over and over you know, constantly and it's destroying vast swathes of land. Yeah. Um, the issues with landfill kind of speak for themselves. They're just filling land with your rubbish. It's just... And I think our, our perception, if, if we ever do think about what happens to our rubbish, is that when mm. it goes to landfill, it's almost like a giant compost heap and everything will kind of oh. melt down. Into, but it just sits there and kind of ferments, doesn't <laughs> it? Yeah, right, exactly. And, yeah, exactly. I mean, what what the 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 amount of um, metal that could be recycled that mm. goes into the black bins, the amount of plastic that goes in there. Plastic is known. I mean, that's why people hate it. It's because it takes four hundred years or whatever to, mm. to degrade, yeah. and it doesn't degrade. It just no. breaks up into tiny bits. You know, yeah. If you buried that in the land, you've got that for four hundred years. Yeah. Um, you know, so no, it doesn't compost. It doesn't at yeah. all. But it's, it's funny to think of all these kind of commons around. Uh, around the uk that are old landfill sites yeah, yeah. <laughs> if you bored a hole how much did big plumes of methane come out <laughs> but yeah so so no no those neither of those are perfect solutions and i did you know that but also there's a economic um problem with it because the council out say exeter will earn money from its recycling but it has we there's a public cost to disposing of rubbish you know it's over 100 pounds a ton to get rid wow. of rubbish um but as I say, Devon County are the disposal authority on that. So, but it's still public money. Yeah. Whereas, you know, we're uh, recycling actually makes public money. Mm-hmm. It makes money that's spent on public services. Yeah. So, if you're worried about the economy or the local economy, yeah. You know, or anything like that, you know, reduce what you throw away, and sure. it will have a massive impact. You know. Yeah. Yeah. So how can we find out? Obviously, you can only speak for Exeter, but you know, if we're thinking, okay, so I, I haven't really thought much about my rubbish before and where it goes, and um, should is, is all that information easily accessible? Should we be should, able to go on our council website, find out whether it's landfill, energy from waste, and what happens yeah. to our recycling? It should be available, um, and if it's not, then there would be a contact there. Yeah. You know, just contact your local authority. I'd say because they, you know, they will all have their waste teams, and they'll be able to explain it in greater detail. If you had, say, a unitary authority like 
Plymouth. They are both the disposal and the collection authority, whereas in Exeter, we're not a unitary authority. We're part of Devon. So we Devon County would be our disposal authority and we are the collection authority. It's all very complicated. <laughs> but yeah. Um, so we, you know, Exeter collects your rubbish and takes it to where it needs to go. And with recycling, we, we keep it all and sell it on. But um, in Plymouth, they do all of it. You know, they, they take it to the plant and then they are responsible for what happens at the plant. So um, even within the county of Devon, mm. there will be, you will have different laws oh, yeah. recycling and extra to, and that's, totally. so, so why, that is one of people's massive frustrations, I think, in that they can live, you know, on a, on a county border or a, a border and somebody next door or, you know, a mile down the road is able to recycle X, Y and Z and they can only recycle a very <laughs> yeah. small amount. What, why is that? uh well there's no uk-wide strategy uh mm-hmm. government government backed strategy uh the government is introducing new plans uh soon I d- including a deposit return scheme like they have in germany in places mm-hmm. so, so you buy your bottles at a slightly premium rate and then you take them back and you get that money yeah. back. you know it's unclear how that has been affected by covid19 yeah. councils have different resources available to them we've spoken about how in Exeter we're all in-house and mm-hmm. other places aren't a lot of places are but we we have our own MRF a lot of most councils don't so it's it, again it's, it's like everything in the UK it, the standard system is going to require retrofitting yeah I, I think there's a an element of not ever having had to change things because like in Germany the industry was built up after the war obviously yeah and there was a concerted effort to do that and so it was almost like doing it again doing it right yes and in uk we seem to be just going along just as cobbled we, it all together as we go along. It all, yeah, yeah exactly forward planning perhaps has never been a strong suit of the uk uh, and as i said building like a an energy from waste plant in an industrial estate is much yeah. harder you know than actually building an industrial estate around around that plant mm. you get you know you put that thing in first you think of what comes out of industrial plants as uh, industrial estates it's a lot of waste so you put the waste structure in first it's like that old computer game sim city I remember. <laughs> you know you get your infrastructure in and then you put yeah your, then you attract people in um it's the same with recycling so that i mean within local authorities everyone cares there are some wonderful people i mean you go to the conferences you go to these places people want to do better all the time and they're always seeking to improve and but they need to be supported by a common strategy and mm. and, and some kind of standardization mm. that's what's going to happen i mean things will still look different we'll still you know so say not just from region to region but from district to district we're going to have different collection strategies i'm sure but there will be an obligation on people to collect more of the same yeah. items okay uh, and in exeter we've actually kind of we planned to do this anyway because it was part of our, our mrf is getting old now mm-hmm. it's 20 years old we need to f- refit it and that we want to develop a system that's going to be you know it's going to lead the way Future really we want it to be completely exactly and it's going to you know it, it needs to be the top we want it to yeah. be the kind of top of the range kind of thing you yeah. know someone came up with a brilliant title for it the other day which <laughs> was uh, it's going to be similar but better you know that's going to be the title yes. of the service similar but better we're really lucky and we might not actually be lucky when you answer this question in that um we can recycle pretty much all plastics except black plastics in our blue lidded mm-hmm. bin but i guess if uh, if the council were to say right you can only put clear plastic bottles in there they have then got a very pure mm. recycling stream and they can 
they could probably mm. hopefully guarantee that that would go and get made into plastic yeah. bottles. Whereas I guess if they're collecting this, this very mixed recycling, mm. unless they've got their own MRF. Very good sorting. Yeah. 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 Gosh, it's really so complicated. It is complicated. I mean, we, the, so you have the difference between curbside sort, which is where you have yes. different boxes and you have the co-mingled, which is what we have in Exeter. The curbside sort, like where I live, mm. you have most plastics in one bag, but they only, they don't want certain other, certain types yes. of plastic. You know, you have your cardboard and your paper in another bag. And yeah. and then when the crew comes to collect, they have a different vehicle. They have um, like a vehicle, which has got lots of different yes. apartments yeah. and they will then sort it. And that's what the curbside sort is. So they are then with that vehicle going, searching through your bag, plastic bottles cardboard tins you know in different compartments so when then it gets taken to the plant or they're sorting depot you know they don't have to then have a long line of of recycling mm. which you get stuff gets picked off on both have merits don't both have you know because it encourages probably co-mingled probably encourages more recycling because people just it's easier it's easier mm. you know it's kind of job done but the ideal would be to have the mrf uh, co- uh, a curbside sort and an mrf yes, to yeah. further sort stuff yes. you know so you're kind of uh, you're hampered by uh, resources have you heard the term wish cycling no i haven't I don't I don't know if it's an I don't think it's an official thing someone said it to me and it's what my husband does is that he looks at something and this was before we could recycle all plastic so he would look at a yogurt pot and go it's clear plastic it looks like it should be able to be recycled it looks like a plastic bottle I'm going to put it in the plastic recycling even though it would clearly say like no plastic yogurt pots and I we would be constantly having this argument and because we we've been told for so long that you know recycling is a good thing to do recycling is the answer and obviously we're finding out it's not the answer but and we we want to recycle I think most of us don't we so we see this stuff and and we think well that looks like it should be recycling recyclable I'll put it in the recycling but then actually what I try to explain to my husband is that it causes contamination of like these bales and then it gets rejected is that yeah it can do I mean certain plastics aren't good for anything like I say a film lid you know there is no market for it so it's no good saying to the local authority you should be taking this on an environmental basis because yeah. we're going well we can't sell it on yeah you know, what we're going to if we take it, on, it in... we're just going to put it to go send it to the energy from waste yeah. plant, you know so it might as well save a bit on the journey and save yes. us work and a lot of energy by sending it straight there yeah and you know if you want if you have a complaint about that it's best to take it to the packaging people yeah. and make people make the packaging with us it's more like the wrapping paper that kind of yeah. thing it's more to do with if you lower the quality of our bales then we won't get yeah or, you know by putting this because we can't if we miss stuff off the line if we miss it because we're having to pick off all this yeah, rubbish, yeah 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 and then we miss some good quality stuff i mean we got you know several different cabins so there's a lot of sorting that's going on but if we miss stuff, then we've missed out on amazing quality recycling mm. just for, for having to take off a load of rubbish, you know? Yeah. So and I guess it's, it's kind of similar with coffee cups, isn't it? People will look at a coffee cup and think, well, it's cardboard. I can recycle yeah. cardboard. I want to feel better about the fact that, you know, mm. I've, I've got a disposable coffee cup and put it in the, but all it's doing is contaminating that recycling. Yeah, it is because you can't recycle. Well, you, you can recycle them if you keep them separately. We, we've got orange carton banks around, our city which my colleague worked very hard on getting in place because cartons themselves people think you know they should be recycled what like tetra pack ones tetra pack, yeah, yeah yeah they have so many different layers of stuff yeah. they've got a wa- waxed paper card a thin layer of aluminium uh, and then plastic you know i mean you try separating all of that they sure. require keeping separate because we just don't have the people 
to actually be able to you know take all of that off and all the other stuff and because the value of it is so low we actually said said no to it so we put the banks out there which get used very well so what Um, happens to stuff when people put it in those orange bins then that it goes off to a a a company that is a specialist in Uh, uh, in separating those uh materials i'm not sure how they get around recycling it but um they're a very transparent company yeah. now. I just personally haven't looked into it, but um, yeah. Then uh, we, but the coffee cups are similar because they've got a a, a plastic liner. Yeah, yeah. You know, so they can go in those orange banks as well. Yeah. Whereas if you tried, they're not cardboard. They can't be recycled with cardboard because they've got plastic in them. Yeah. Um, a little bit of tape is okay because it's minimal. But if you put loads and and the coffee yeah. cups is very poor quality paper as well. And and then again, you know, but you can't put those um compostable compostable mm-hmm. coffee cups into the orange banks because they're not recyclable with normal coffee cups so yeah, what's yeah, the point yeah. in a compostable coffee cup if all they're going to do is end up in a litter bin yeah anywhere, yeah yeah you yeah know? and you say to an author a local authority oh we need a compostable coffee cup bin in the city center uh, that's a hell of a resource you know to to, mm. to when you think about all the staff the staff you have to collect it keep it separate it's going to be contaminated yeah it's just going to end up in energy from waste or yeah. the worst case scenario in places in landfill you know yeah. so what's the point oh it's so complicated so this this is this is this is me trying to simplify something that's not very simple if you're faced with the option of buying let's say milk um or juice might be a better example in tetra pack plastic bottle glass bottle Mm. what do you choose plastic bottle i would i mean the tetra pack because ours ours are in our heads we're going plastic bad plastic bad plastic bad yeah but it's because the hdp plastic um which is what milk bottle plastics made out of which orange juice plastic um Mm -hmm. when you get it in those things it's made out of is about the highest quality polymer um and worth the most as well uh you know to to the council but it it is easily recyclable into so many things but particularly back into bottles right yeah um, the processing of it is is considerably easier than uh, a carton however when you look at a carton the reason it was designed was to keep stuff fresh mm-hmm. so you get you don't have to keep it in refrigerators yeah, all the yeah, time yeah. so there's that to consider there's oh, also the, the fact that you've got it stacked on shelves yeah taking up considerably less room so there's a lot less work a lot less and in transportation there's a lot less you know you can get a lot more transported in in one trip you know and glass though I, so glass if, is endlessly but if, but if i had a so it's endlessly recyclable, but there's obviously the additional transport weight yeah. and all that yeah. kind of thing as well. Melting glass takes a lot more than melting plastic. There's a lot right. more heat involved, a lot more energy, but also the transportation of glass and recycled glass when we get it is astronomical. If you can keep the glass and refill it, and refill it then there's not much of a problem with that, yeah. you know. And this comes back to this whole, you know, I love geeking out about the waste hierarchy and the idea that, you know, recycling is better than landfill or energy from waste. But actually, the whole time, what we want to be doing is trying to think about refill, reuse, those very much more beforehand. Exactly. And I mean... The waste hierarchy. A lot of there's been a lot of R's added to it, but yeah. I think to be honest, they're all they're all pretty much covered. I think it's just spelling out what each mm. each one covers because reduce covers you refuse know and refuse and reuse and repurpose yeah. and all those things. So we're looking at the three R's of reduce, reuse, recycle. Yeah. So I mean, if you're looking at say glass, I would always look at the fact that it's incredibly heavy, mm. um, and recycling it 
uh, while it's endlessly recyclable, probably, you know, for its carbon footprint to match that of a plastic bottle, an HDPE plastic bottle, which is pretty much nearly endlessly recyclable, you know, you've probably not quite, but, you know, it's getting there. To match that carbon footprint, you know, a glass would probably have to be recycled many, 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 many many times, you Mm. know. It's very hard to tell. There's always arguments for and against everything. Yeah, yeah. You know, I mean, at the end of the day, I'm not like a proponent of plastic. Uh, I'm also not a proponent of living plastic free because you can't. I mean, yeah. the, com- the computers we use, yeah. uh, everything, my mouse, you know, is yeah. it's plastic. Our car dashboards are plastic. Yeah. Everything. Uh, I know people don't mean that by plastic free. They mean, yeah. you know, single, they use. single use. Of course they do. But for me, it's a headline. It's yeah. like, a, it's a, oh my God, plastic free. That means plastic is evil. You know, mm-hmm. so then yeah. if you do look at plastic bags, like those very sturdy plastic shopping bags mm-hmm. will last probably you know the maybe the the woven ones i don't know but you know they'll last probably until longer than you will mm-hmm. um yeah. you know whereas if you buy a cotton bag it has to be reused 120 times or something before yeah. it matches the environmental footprint of a yeah. cheap single use plastic bag you know we've all got well, maybe we don't anymore but we certainly used to have that drawer full of you know single use carrier bags yeah yet we were all told you need a reusable carrier bag uh, yeah. and, and obviously but what we should have done what we should have been told first is to use those single use ones until use they fall apart and mm. then go and get yourself a reusable one and you know um, same with bottles same with you know people have got a, a drawer full of or a cupboard full of reusable bottles mm yeah mugs you know and you think those things because they forget their reusable mug and they yes, go, I'll, I'll buy another, another one, one. Yeah, <laughs> yeah yeah and the, the 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 number of times they would have to use that before it matched even the disposable coffee cup yeah you know um is unbelievable you know hundreds yes. um so you have to be so mindful of what you're doing and that's what i think dennis is all about and people say why didn't you ever come up with an answer i was looking for an answer because yes, there aren't there aren't any, any. Answers. Yeah. <laughs> yeah there is only i i look at it as trying to promote nuanced thought yes there's that i was just going to say that word nuance in that mm. i think that's what we live in such a, a sort of binary society it feels like at the moment you're remain yeah. or you're leave you're vegan or you're not you're you're democrat or you're republican you're left or you're right whatever but everyone's actually, got an enemy yeah but there's no kind of green or white you know just like there's no black or white there's kind of diff- all these different shades of green and it's bloody complicated everything is complicated and i mm. guess it's like you say, it's it's about trying to dig a little bit deeper, find trusted sources of information, accept that nuance, and then sort of work out what what works mm. for us and what we can make fit for for us. Because everybody's got those different kind of challenges. And you and have scenarios. to, yeah, exactly. Scenario. You have to remember that you can't judge people for their choices yes. all the time because they've got people have different needs, dietary needs, you know, disabilities, all sorts of different things. And and then there's the the whole issue with the fact that what's affordable um, yeah. and people say education people need to educate themselves but the knowledge that you can educate yourself is in itself a privilege you know yeah. you, you you but people say environmental justice is social justice and yeah. social justice is environment you know we do need to keep educating people but it's not about dictating it's not up to to some uh, an account like dennis or, or or your page to come up with solutions it's a it's our responsibility to engage people in, in this yeah. in this journey and to help them on that journey and not if there are things we feel are better then we can say so mm-hmm. um i did a an article about hemp and bamboo and oh, all the yeah, different that was things a good you know. one as well. yeah but people are going oh, i thought bamboo was brilliant you know but mm. it, it, it turns out it's not so brilliant but it, it, it's still 
And then I think the frustration is, you know, you, you'll <laughs> yeah. read through this incredibly detailed post that's, you know, and, then, yeah. and at the end I'm like, so what do I use? What yeah, do I, I know. <laughs> I know. And, and I think ultimately the, the only thing that you can possibly say is about fashion. Don't buy fast fashion. Yeah. If you can help it, try and support local businesses if you can. You know, there's the, the affordability part of it. There is the point that, okay, if we didn't buy so much of what we don't need all yeah. the time, yeah. then we would be able to afford better quality clothing sure. yeah. that would last. And we're not spending five quid on a t-shirt that lasts for a month a yeah. uh, as opposed to a 15 quid on a t-shirt that lasts a year, you know? Mm-hmm. Um, so and, and then you look at the crops involved and you realize, and, and the human cost of producing yeah, yeah. And, and then you look at the rag trade and how reliant we are as a the western world is on mm. selling its scrap again to other yeah. countries they can deal with it and if they don't we'll do this you know and it's oh it's it's if they don't we'll just ignore it <laughs> yeah, well, <laughs> well well or you know sanction or whatever you know yeah, there's so yeah. much to be looked at there's so much to be looked at and we need to be able to encourage that nuanced debate about yes. things that's why if i don't come up with solutions it's not because i it's well it is because i don't have solutions we don't because because there aren't it's not that you don't have them it's because there aren't solutions i think people often want um, a nice neat tidy solution tied up with a bow which is why you know we we swallowed this story about recycling because that's you know it was kind of end of story it can be recycled that's lovely and we forget about the fact that it takes a lot of energy we forget about the fact that maybe or we maybe we don't think we don't know that it needs a lot of energy or we don't know no, that it can't doesn't be get turned sometimes into, into stuff magically is, into yeah you know, the thing that it was you know i sometimes feel guilty that i can't say to people this is what you this is what you should do because mm. we live in this very mm. sounds, it sounds hopeless to say it but this sort of quite broken system you know that's yeah. sort of yeah arisen and grown up and cobbled together and things yeah. and we just have to try and pick out the the best bits that that we can from it yeah um, and it's about in, encouraging behavioral change rather yeah. than judging people for their bad behavior yes. it's about saying look you know we don't need to pretend that consumers aren't responsible for the litter they leave on beaches at the moment and things like that. They are responsible for the act of littering and, and they are responsible for their choices. Everyone is. However, there is a broken system behind that that has mm. given people to believe that, you know, a, okay, it's safer at the moment to buy disposable. It's not yeah. safe. It's been proven, you know, it, or um, there's this whole single use industry behind them purchasing the stuff the convenience of of buying it it's there it's available it plays and then people live such fast-paced lives and that is deliberate because it's about consumerism it's about maximum profit yeah so if you slow that down then you know uh Mm. industry start losing lots start losing money so it's not in their interests yeah and if you see less litter on the beach it's a symptom of life I feel it would be a symptom of life slowing down, yes. life, you know, and so you're not going to unless you see corporations change and that's not going to happen without us lobbying and that's not going to happen. That lobbying isn't going to happen without our first making choices. Yes. So we, so we have to first make choices and then... Or even first be aware of the fact that we have yeah. choices. Yeah, yeah. You know, like I think, mm. you know, se- several years ago, I, if you'd asked me about fast fashion, I would have said, well, it must be okay because they're allowed to do it. Like it, it mm. must be okay that this t-shirt's three quid or whatever and and they must be looking after the people who are making it because they're allowed to do it and obviously 
that's not the case but I just never thought about it and I thought you know if, if I had thought about it I would have thought that my t-shirt was made in a factory by machines I wouldn't have thought that there's a woman sat there sewing these yeah. seams and you know and I I wouldn't I would have just assumed that but I don't think I ever thought about my rubbish I put it in the bin and the bin lorry came and I didn't think any more about it and I think that's how lots and lots of people are in this and that's not to judge them in any way that's just to say but the more I guess we can have these conversations and raise this awareness yeah. around what's happening the kind of reality and then yeah. talk to people about the, the choices that they can make and the, the power that they do have that's it and it's making people aware that they have those choices yeah. and that there is a debate to be had if I were to come up with solutions, they would be disproved yes. within instance. So yeah. none of us pretends in my, my team, none of us pretends that we have all the answers. Mm. There are people with damn sight more expertise in this than me, but my expertise, if you like, is, is in communicating that, that effort to understand yeah. or that, that, that um, compulsion to, to be curious, you know, mm. and, and open-minded. So, yeah. uh, and that's what I, I feel the, you know, the Dennis page is, is all about really. So it, it is an advice page as well, you know, so you do have to say, come up with answers about what happens to the recycling. Yes. So we need to know those things we need, but that's why the council works so hard on being transparent and trying to make sure that what we do sort in our plant is recycled into the best quality stuff. Yes. Yeah. You know, so that's what that's why we treat it like that, because everyone cares so much, you know, mm. um, we've got a job to affect behavioral change, but we just got to keep going and, and hoping to reach as many people as possible. And you are you are doing that, aren't you? Because you were saying um, just before we started recording, you know, the page has got three and a half thousand likes, but there's a couple of posts you've done that have reached 100,000 people. And that's not yeah. just people in Exeter, is it? You know, that's that's me in Wiltshire, but that's probably people. And people in Australia, actually, oddly enough, people in Exeter, in Exeter College, in, in somewhere in, is it Massachusetts? I don't oh, okay. know. I yeah. thought they were, thought I was talking about their bin. I was like, <laughs> now that's confusing. Yeah. Yeah. There's a few, I mean, a lot of the posts that we do reach well beyond our following. Yeah. Um, and that's good because it crosses boundaries. I mean, obviously, the page is the Exeter advice page when mm. it comes to people. I can't talk on behalf of other councils. Yeah. I don't know what they do, and it's not my right to. I can discuss what we do. But in terms of general talk about the environment, yes. the, the crisis we're all facing, that is also, I feel, a part of my job, yeah. you know, as an Exeter employee, because we've been seen to be trying to lead on this. Um, mm. And as a local authority, we want to be. And so my part of mine is to reach beyond boundaries and say, yeah. hey, look, this is what we're doing. And, you know, lots of people are saying, oh, let's, let's be like that, you know. Yeah, and so yeah. you want to, um, to promote that. So I, I feel that it is part of my duty and my role to try and reach as many people beyond Exeter as possible. And you do that incredibly well. You really do. It's, oh, it's you, you know, the, the way you engage and the way you, you know, the, the, the way the posts are written and things is brilliant. So if people want to come and find Dennis mm. or you, yeah. um, where can they come and find him? On Facebook, it's just Dennis Duska or it's one N, Dennis, D-E-N-I-S. Yeah. I don't know why it's one N, but it was when I began and there's been all sorts of graffiti, but we won't go into that. Um, but um, Oh yeah, I can imagine, yeah. Potential, <laughs> potential graffiti. Uh, but, you know, if you um, look up Dennis Duskart, D-I-N-I-S, or at Duskart Dennis, uh, that's where all the good stuff goes on Facebook. That's where all of the, you know, we've got a Twitter page, that's where we started, but there's hardly any... There's no, there's not much room for nuance on Twitter, is there? In no, and we, you can, or... exactly. And you can link to, we don't see a massive up spike when we link from Twitter to Facebook. Sure. 
Yeah. So, you know, there's, there's not much going on in that front. So I tend to use it to share more um, things I come across on Twitter, you know. Yeah. And I'll link to that in the show notes as well so people can, can come and find you. So thank you so much. Um, no, again, you. I feel like, oh, we haven't given people like nice, neat answers, but I think we've explained that, that you know, there aren't any nice, neat answers. And, you know, waste <laughs> is complicated. Recycling is complicated. Consumption is complicated. Be kind and don't judge, yes. but be yeah. firm. Be firm and have the courage of your own convictions. You know, if you want to reduce your waste, just do it. You know, look mm. at ways you can do it. If you know someone who needs to, don't judge them but just yeah. just encourage them show them the right show, way so you know yeah. show don't tell lead them to me lead them to dennis no, i won't have any of the answers <laughs> no yeah. no uh, but follow jen um, <laughs> but interestingly that whole thing um i hadn't made the link for a long time between you know you said you want to reduce your waste well actually the first thing you need to do if you want to reduce your waste is reduce the stuff that you're buying you know yes, and like yeah. that whole link isn't it but and you know and i think that probably is think about what comes into your home yeah you know yeah. that's maybe one t- i don't know if it is black and white like the i think the most impactful thing you can do is reduce your consumption across mm-hmm. everything you know well, we look at lu- luxury goods are not luxury goods anymore you know a, a fizzy fizzy pop as my dad used to call yes, it is, yeah. you know used to be a what a birthday and christmas yeah, exactly you know you went to a kid's birthday party and that was where you had your once a year cherry yeah. aid or whatever it was you Vinto. know Vimto, yeah, uh, but now it's every you know day. everyone you get it every day, and and it's what what was luxury has become every day. So it's about yeah, as you say, so thinking of your consumption and considering what really do you need as yeah. opposed to what you always want. There's yeah. no harm in wanting stuff and buying it if you're having a treat sometimes, but you don't have to treat yourself every day. Every day, yeah, yeah. brilliant. Yeah. Thank you so much for all no your problem. time you. and uh, for showing the revealing. Dennis is uh, alter ego. <laughs> Brilliant. Thank you. Thank you so much, Jen. Thanks for having me. I've been really, uh, really enjoyed it. You've been listening to Sustainable Ish, you wonderful sack of loveliness, with me, Jen Gale. Hopefully we've fired some neurons and we've got the old grey matter thinking about what changes you can make in your life this week to live that little bit more sustainably. Do let me know what that is. I love to hear about the changes that people are making, big or small. Every single one counts. If you've enjoyed the show, and I hope you have, do hop over to iTunes to leave a comment or a review and then the bots at iTunes will cotton on to just how awesome it is and it will show up in more people's feeds. Or at least I think that's how it works. Thanks so much for listening. I will catch you next time.